God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. God has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to release the prisoner, to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display all of God's glory. They shall build up to the ancient ruins. They shall raise up to the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many, many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Foreigners shall till your land and dress your vines. But you shall be called priest of the Lord. You shall be named the ministers of our God. You shall enjoy the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you shall glory. Because their shame was double and dishonor was proclaimed as their lot, therefore they shall possess a double portion. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give to them the recompense. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has pleased, blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. For God has clothed me with the garments of salvation. God has covered me with the robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Well, as I began to write my original message, you know how you begin writing and then your mind starts wandering into other areas? Um, and my original message was about what Christmas really means to me, and I was going to share some personal Christmas stories about Christmas past. Um, I found, again, that my thoughts began to realize what we really, what, we don't really talk about what happens after Christmas or after Christ's birth. What happens when all the excitement of the coming, uh, his coming has come and gone? What happens when all relatives, they travel back to their homes where they live? And the thoughts about the workday on Monday begins to creep into our planning process for the upcoming week. Does the spirit of Christmas just slowly begin to fade away? Or does it fade away rapidly for most of us? Then I began to realize that this phenomenon is not just happening to me. It's happening to people all across the world. We put our decorations in the boxes. We put away the lights or turn them off. We pack in the lights from outside. And as I thought about the message today and what God really wants me to, to bring to you, and as I read the thoughts from the scripture today, which in my version, I think is the NIV version, was a little bit different. However, some of the meaning is still there. Some of the same um, things that I want to talk about today are the few ideas emerged. And those, uh, those ideas, if we practice daily and kept the spirit of Christmas alive in our everyday lives, we could really change the world. There are five major ideas that came from scriptures today that are distinctively Christian, which Steve of Ministers may understand that terminology or language, 
that our Christian activities and if we exercise in our lives today, we could change the world. Proclaiming the good news. What is the good news? Bind or mend the brokenhearted. Comfort all who mourn. Provide for those who grieve. And the last, love justice. So the first idea, proclaim the good news. What is the good news? Well, to many of us, it's Christ's birth, a gift that was given to us from heaven. You know, I love the question that everyone gets during or shortly after Christmas. What presents did you get? Who gave you what? And most of us answer it with, oh, new socks, a new shirt, new underwear, or at least we hope those are new. Um, yet, have you ever answered it? Jesus. What present did you get this Christmas? Jesus. Someone to role model our lives after? Isn't he really the reason for this season? The second thing that kind of emerged from Scripture for me was bind or mend the brokenhearted. How is this accomplished? God brings people into our lives daily who are either in a crisis currently, about to enter a crisis, or is just coming out of a crisis. It is up to us to help mend those brokenhearted spirits, you know, and bring a positive experience to them. Take a moment and think about your friends and family. Are any of them going through a crisis, coming out of a crisis, about to go into a crisis? Scripture tells us we are there to mend those brokenhearted. The third thing that kind of emerged from the Scripture reading is comfort all that mourn. Sadness is something that everyone will, has, or will have experienced sometimes. For many of us, it's a lot of times. God's given us this incredible gift of emotions and empathy, which according to dictionary.com means the psychological identification or vicariously experiencing of the feelings, thoughts, and attitudes of another. I love dictionary.com. And you've got to love the internet, too, that immediate access to all the information. Just completed my degree in applied psychology. Trust me, dictionary.com came in handy. The fourth thing that kind of emerged from our scripture today is provide for those that grieve. I believe that in providing for others and allowing them to provide for us only makes us a whole person. You know, many teachers have used that illustration of the book, the pitcher, uh, pitcher of water, having the pitcher represent us and the water represent our compassion and our servitude. When you keep pouring and pouring and pouring and you never allow for others to replenish, you become empty. And what good is that to anyone else? That is why when providing for those that grieve, also to remember to allow them to provide for you. The last and the final idea that gleaned from our scriptures today is that of loving justice, which is found in verse 8. Justice is a gift that each of us possess and can exercise and give daily. God gave us the gift of justice and Jesus. What gifts are you, are we personally prepared to give to the world today. Here's a poem or a prayer by Raymond A. Foss that explains exactly what justice is, or at least to me. It goes like this. 
We lift up a humble prayer for peace, for wisdom, for justice in our land, for a mother fighting for her son, a son born of the soil of the land, a son with a disability, a handicap, a mother fighting for him, a mother fighting for others too, for herself, for those like her, those like us, a minister, a congregation, a church, a family, fighting for justice. I belong to IUCC, Irvine United Congregational Church, as well as my husband, and we can tell you, we, we talk about justice all the time, but it's about us taking those steps to move towards that. The poem continues. Knowing the way of Christ, sanctuary and refuge, the calling to the least, to the last, the lost like them, a country large enough, generous enough to be gentle, to be kind, to be just. May that spirit of Jesus Christ dwell in our hearts as leaders, as our leaders see through the letter, the language of the flawed law, rise above the law to its spirit, our creed, our belief in justice, and do the right, the unexpected, and the just. Amen.